Rio de Janeiro With a big man Welcome to Frio de Janeiro. This is Abidimam, your host, and I'm pumped to bring you this episode. Now, we know that travel is an amazing thing, and it allows you to meet cool new people. I met our next guest on the street during the Rio Olympics, and his name is Gary Matalon from Jamaica. This is a conversation you'll want to hear. Gary is an innovator and trendsetter in his field. He made a name for himself as a business mogul, and is always keen to take on new adventures and revolutionize the way business is done in Jamaica and in the wider Caribbean. His greatest moments throughout the years have ranged from founding successful businesses and starting his family. He has turned his passions into a thriving career. In 2008, Gary co-founded the Kingston Live Entertainment Group with his wife and business partners. As director and CEO of the group, Gary is responsible for the development of premium lifestyle and entertainment establishments, namely Usain Bolt's Tracks and Records. Gary and I had a great chat about everything Jamaica, business, sport, music. It was heaps of fun. So please check out the show notes on abitimam.com so you can find out more about Gary's projects and also the Tracks and Records restaurants. So let's get into it. Gary Matalon, it's an absolute pleasure to have you join me, and usually when we have a guest, we start in chronological order, but uh, I want to actually talk about how we met each other, and it was in Rio during the 2016 Olympic Games. What do you remember from that moment? <laughs> I, recall, I recall it as it, as it, was, as it were yesterday. I, uh, I was with my brother-in-law, we were looking to grab something to eat. And um, we we ran across you. It was in a restaurant, a Brazilian restaurant, if I recall. And um, we we had a quick chat. You realized immediately that we were from Jamaica, and you. I, I think we went straight on to a discussion about Usain Bolt, who was splattered across all of the newspapers in in Rio. Because of um, his his <laughs> good time that he had the night before <laughs> um, with with some ladies on that side of the world, so it was yeah, it was it was we got a good joke and we got some good laughs, and um, it was great meeting you at that point. I see it exactly the same way, Gary, and it's funny because <laughs> you were going into the restaurant, I think, and I had just left and. I wasn't uh, I wasn't in my usual sense of consciousness because what happened was I was at a Hodizio restaurant, which is for people listening, it's a Brazilian all-you-can-eat, absolute uh, endless feast of meat, uh, gourmet salads, incredible food, and it's a real challenge, you know, because you go two or three hours of just eating incredible food. So I was not walking out of the restaurant; I was more waddling out. <laughs> <laughs> and being during the Olympic Games, you know, there were just good. people everywhere, and I had to um, get my composure back. And then I saw people everywhere. But then you specifically took my attention because you were wearing the full-on Jamaican tracksuit, and that's the Olympic team <laughs> tracksuit. And I'm such a big fan of track and field, so I had to stop you and say, you know, where did where did you get that from? And then as soon as you, as soon as you started talking, it was it was perfect, you know, from Jamaica, and we had that conversation. 
Absolutely, it was a good time. I um, thoroughly enjoyed that that whole exercise. I mean, that whole experience was amazing because, of course, uh, you know, Usain had just done what nobody else in the world had ever done before, and 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 won the triple for the third time. You know, the the, the hundred meter, two hundred meter, and the four by one hundred. So. For for us, it was such a it was such an amazing moment, you know, to and to actually be there in Rio to witness it firsthand was was like I mean I can't even put it into words. It was beyond anything I've ever experienced before. It would have been really proud moments for for you to be there. Did you get to enjoy Rio and see a bit of the other sports at the Olympics? What was your experience like there? We did. It was it was a good time. Aside from from a unfortunate pickpocket in, incident that we had on in the early part of the trip, it was really a flawless vacation. I mean, it was uh, it was a good time. We we actually made it to the Marcana Stadium. I don't know if you're a big football fan, but uh, yes. they they uh, we were able to see Brazil against Germany, which was um, which was an amazing. Uh, amazing experience to see Brazil play in an Olympic finals in Brazil. So uh, that was that was pretty incredible, and um, I, I, yeah, I won't forget that for now. And of course, which a lot of the events that we saw were really kind of track track and field based. We didn't get too much outside of the football and the track and field. We didn't really get to see a whole lot else. Uh, you've spoken to the right person because I'm a huge football fan. So I was in the city at that time and it was the context behind that game was so interesting because Rio, Rio or I was um, I was in Rio two years earlier and that's when Brazil had lost to Germany 7-1. So everyone really wanted to exactly. beat the Germans. Exactly. Yeah, man. That was, and, and, that, and we just couldn't believe that we were actually gonna get to experience that you know and then of course um they 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 ended up winning and that was just it was bizarre it was such an amazing energy in there now of course the the jamaican jersey is not too far off of the brazilian jersey so we fit right in (laughs) (laughs) yes same with australia it's all about the green and gold that's right correct was it your first olympic games as well to attend no, it wasn't. I had actually been to London in 2012. Um, I didn't make it to to the Far East um, when he made when he broke his records and everything. I wasn't there for that, but I did make it to London 2012. And that was an amazing experience there with him, and then uh, with you saying that is, and then of course, um, and then of course Rio in 2016, and we did all the World Championships in between those as well. You've, you've mentioned Usain Bolt uh, there a couple of times, those amazing Olympic Games. We'll talk about that further later, but Gary, we'd like, love to get to know about your upbringing in Jamaica. If you can paint a picture for the listener about some of the beginnings of your life growing up, what are your great memories? Ah, man, I, I always find this to be the, of the more difficult questions that I get in interviews, but it's, uh, you know, to try and sum up... A, a, a childhood is is um, is a challenge, you know, and do it any kind of justice. But I, I I was born in Jamaica in 1974, and my family my family was so my great grandfather was the 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 one who immigrated to Jamaica um, in the in the I guess that would have been 
30s, 40s. I, have, I, I couldn't even tell you right now exactly when that would have been. And of course, my grandfather was one of 11 children and uh, uh, quite a few of them went off to fight in World War II and then came back to Jamaica uh, after the war and got together and started a business. So we had a family business with the first generation of that family business being quite large. And, um, and they, they became very successful um, in various, various industries. They were in manufacturing and trading. They were in financial services. Um, so th- there was... Um, quite a bit uh, also you know trading commodities and stuff like that so they, they did quite well and then my father's generation which as you can imagine with with such a big what, what I call first generation that second generation became quite it was was ginormous right and um, and you know I kind of grew up in that environment so a very close-knit very large, very dominant family that was doing big things in the country. Um, so was I was fortunate to to be around a lot of really influential people, a lot of really successful people. I mean, I had front row seats at the dinner table with with leaders of the country and opposition leaders of the country, and you know, leaders of other countries. And it was it was it was quite an experience. Obviously, I didn't really understand the gravity of it at the time I was young uh, um, you know as a young kid growing up uh, you, you know you, you don't really get to you don't have a full appreciation for what that really means but I guess looking back at it now it was a, a it was a very privileged childhood from that from in that respect um, my my family always, as, as I kind of went through school and got into the summer jobs and then eventually, you know, post-school, getting into the working world, my family always felt that their philosophy was that you have to kind of start at the bottom. So although I was kind of in a situation where I, um, you know, I, I had this kind of fortunate upbringing and, and, and everything else, we were really kind of put out in the field to, to, to um, <laughs> learn the hard way. And, um, yeah, I had some not-so-glamorous jobs along the way. I mean, I worked on the construction site. I worked, you know, with the survey department. I worked with the sewer and water department. I mean, I, I, I went through kind of really the, the labor-level jobs, um, you know, for a couple of years before. And, and this was all kind of while I was going to, to university you know, come home and do summers on the on the construction site. When I eventually graduated, was when I got the first somewhat meaningful um, job in um, you know in the family business, uh, although still very kind of entry level, and um, and then just worked my way up from there. And uh, I guess we're getting moving out of childhood now, but yeah, it was a it was a good childhood. I, I have no complaints. Um, <laughs> From the from the learning that you had through the the business, you were also, as you mentioned, the education was a big part of it. And from the research I've done, there is a real theme of innovation. You were you were yearning to innovate, and that meant uh, you you made a step to leave the family business and to to create. Can you walk us through that that period in your life as well? Sure. So, so um, as I, as I said, I, you know, post my undergrad, I, I I got engulfed in the family business, and I was 
I was doing that for, I guess, you know, the better part of, of four or five years. And it, I, I can't tell you, although I had, you know, I, I didn't want for anything. I, I had a reasonably good salary. I didn't have a lot of expenses. Um, I, I, there was still something missing for me. And I think what happened is that, um, you know, I, 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 for whatever reason, I just, I, I read a lot and I, I research a lot and I just felt as though there was just so much more we could be doing. And, it, you know, in fairness to, to my family's business, you know, they, they, that business was founded in the, in the fifties and the construction business that is was uh, you know, founded in 56 and the, it, it grew into a large company. And when I was working there, you know, talking about 2000 employees, you're talking about, you know, major projects and stuff. So they were kind of, uh, uh, I mean, it was an institution. It was that it was, uh, it wasn't as, as, as nimble and as agile, uh, uh, entrepreneurial type, innovative type organization. And, and I think that my, where, where my head was at was, um, you know, I just wanted to try new things. And of course that, that didn't really translate um, into that organization so easily. So what ended up happening was I um, I started doing a, a master's degree online through University of Liverpool, and that just kind of blew everything wide open. I mean, at, at that stage of the game, I was getting further exposed to different concepts, and 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 um, I really just decided that this is is going to be difficult for me, and I wanted to see if I could do something on my own, you know, and um, moved straight from there into, I, I formed a, a project management company. So went for professional services because, of course, I felt that I, I could, I could, I could offer, I could give, have, deliver a lot of value to, to potential customers, but, I, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot to be able to invest in, uh, you know, a full-on construction company or, or become a full-on developer at, at that stage. Um, so I opted to go with a, a professional services business, and uh, we got we got cranking in about 2005. I think it was the early part of 2005. I, I, I formed the business with a partner, who was a little bit older than me and had a little bit more experience than me um, on the administrative and business side, as well as on the project side. He was a he's an engineer. We still the company is still going strong today. In fact, we moved from being this startup in 2005 to being the largest project management firm here in Jamaica, and we worked for a lot of big international clients um, and have built some significant projects here in in um in jamaica we we focused primarily on construction and development but we did do uh, a software implementation for a large uh, manufacturing business here in jamaica as well uh quite a few years back but um but yeah so that was my that was my introduction into into um into my own business how did you make your decision to undergo your study at the University of Liverpool? 
It's interesting because I really wanted to to get my master's degree. Uh, at that stage, I had a, I had completed my my bachelor's and I was doing what I was doing within the family business. But I felt like I just wanted to to further my education. And the challenge I had was I really did not want to leave working world and go back to to university. And I just thought, even from a even from a um, you know just a burden on everybody else point of view, I. I didn't want to have to go back to school and work and go to school and just be in school for another, um, you know, extended period of time. So I, I um, for me, it was more about, you know, keeping the, the momentum. I was already in the working world. I already had this energy to do so many different things. And I thought, all right, well, maybe I can keep doing what I'm doing and get my master's simultaneously. So online degrees were what I was really, was really interested in more than than even the the University of Liverpool specifically. But why I ended up selecting University of Liverpool was that uh, my research showed me that they had one of the they were one of the first movers in the online um, online masters programs. And I liked their their platform was relatively user friendly and, and um, their interface just the their whole in user interface was it was kind of dead simple you know there was really moved right into it seamlessly and um and i also like the british system because being in jamaica we uh we follow more uh british educational system than say an american system and i think a lot of the other options for me were from american universities um, that were offered from American universities, which really wasn't. And my undergrad was from my from an American university, so I felt that this would be a nice balance, uh, a nice mix, a nice diversification from that. If we fast forward a little bit more, so there is there is the fiction nightclub. So I'm sure it's uh, for Jamaican listeners. They they're well aware of a fiction nightclub and the success of that venture. Can you share to us how you uh, made that first initial step into the nightclub game from from the <laughs> the start that you had, which <laughs> from construction? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, so so th- that was interesting because fiction um, was fiction was brought to me by it was introduced to me uh, the idea was was introduced to me by a friend of mine who was working on the north coast of Jamaica, very close in proximity to where I was building a large housing development. And what happened was that he and I both spent quite a bit of time uh, on the north coast. Well, he lived there, and I was there at least one or two days a week. And, um, you know, we'd go out at night, we'd have dinner, we'd do different things. I was away from my family at that point because of... uh, be over on the north coast so i spent a lot of, a lot of time with him he, he was saying why he had this idea that they want you know he wanted to build this nightclub and you know they needed some investment and i said i said to myself you know when i looked at the whole the whole idea i thought you know i, I was looking for things to invest in and this wasn't really kind of one of them that was uh, uh, you know uh, you know, in my kind of thought process, nightclubs were the furthest thing from my mind, other than what I like to do on the weekend. <laughs> but um, 
But, you know, I, I, I thought about it and I said, you know, worst case scenario, it wasn't a hell of a lot of money. And I said, worst case scenario is we probably have a lot of fun doing it. You know what I mean? So, you know, we give it a shot. And at that stage, it was really intended to be just a straight financial investment for me. Um, so getting into the planning of it and, we, you know, put the money in the pot and started kind of planning it out. And, of course, on the design and build outside. Of the group of founding members, it was six of us, of us, of all of us, I had the experience in the construction and stuff like that. So, of course, I, by default, got thrust up into the front line on the build outside and the design and whatever else. We got that pretty much completed. And when we started operating, uh, you know, immediately out of the gates, we were a tremendous success because I think we filled a a very kind of, a very you know big need there was a gap there was a huge gap in that 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 kind of social landscape and in jamaica at the time and especially for a product as sophisticated as fiction was i think what happened was the the people in that industry before we entered that industry were of the mindset that oh this can't work in jamaica and that can't work in jamaica and jamaica this jamaica that and really kind of did things very differently because we're an island, because we're in the Caribbean, because we're not, you know, these kind of first world major markets. And um, and we, we didn't buy into that. We had all been away to school and we knew that, you know, you know, we had been exposed to different things and we knew there was enough of us being people of like-mindedness that um, that we, we were willing to, to give it a shot. And we, you know, we built this really kind of, stay to the nightclub with VIP booths. I mean, none of that had ever been seen in Jamaica before. Bottle service and all of that stuff, which was which was commonplace in in in, in big markets around the world. But for, for for Jamaica, it was like, what what are these guys doing? This is crazy. <laughs> and um, and yeah, and we did it, and it was a tremendous success. So what ended up happening immediately out of the gates is that we found that we needed to we needed to um, really kind of improve our whole back-of-house uh, systems and controls. I mean, none of us were really in that industry to begin with. And, you know, we kind of opened and, and were getting our butts kicked. And we ended up having to, to well, of course, again, you know, that, that was something that was very exciting for me and, and, and very interesting. And I was able to dive in there and actually design the the kind of the back of house the systems and controls and, and and implement the technology i had previous to that had done the software implementation through the project management firm that i told you about and so of course we you know went ahead invested in the best of breed um the management system that that existed for that industry and implemented that and you know before long we had a really really amazing operation so here it is, you know, on the on the demand side, we're, you know, we're bursting at the seams. We're turning back a couple hundred people every night. On the supply side, we're running smooth as can be. Cost of sales on point. You know, the the, the labors, the the, the the team in place is happy as can be. They're making good money, and it just really became um, a tremendous success. And then, of course. You know, uh, on the PR side, we were the flavor of the month. You know, we were we we owned both newspapers and 
you know what I mean? At that point in time, social media wasn't as big a thing. You know, we're talking about 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, you know, Facebook was just kind of coming into play. There wasn't as much uh, uh, Instagram, um, you, you know, presence at that point. I don't even think it was existed, to be honest with you. And uh, but but certainly certainly whatever existed at the time, we were it. You know. And uh, I, I think it was about a year into fiction that the founding partners, we, we, we decided, we got together and we decided we were going to a trade show in Las Vegas to see what else was going on in the industry. And um, it was at a breakfast in Las Vegas that I said to the group, you know, do we want to ride this out for the life cycle of the, of the club? Um, you know, and just continue to enjoy it as we're enjoying it now. Or do we want to leverage this success onto something else? And at that point in time, I think it was it was pretty unanimous. I, maybe we were intoxicated from the success that we were having <laughs> in the nightclub, but but um, it was unanimous at that stage that we were going to try and leverage the success that we were having onto other things. So yeah. Was it tempting to expand Fiction Nightclub or were you conscious about diluting the experience or the nightclub and then you, you thought about going to another idea of a business or why was Fiction Nightclub not expanded? Well, so, we, yeah, it was very tempting. It was very, very tempting. I think that um, what had happened was when we really looked into it, there were a lot of things about Fiction um, in its current form and in its current location that contributed to its success. And we feared that that it was going to be very difficult to kind of replicate those the, that situation. Um, one major, one major um, factor was that the the market that we operate in here in Kingston, the market that we operated in here, is th- there's not a massive amount. In other words, the, the if talking about the uh, the demographics, right? Um, there is not a massive amount of disposable income um, distributed widely across uh, the 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 population right so what ends up what ended up happening is that we kind of owned a a market but it's a relatively small market right um in terms of volume in terms of amount of people right so so whereas we had an insanely successful business operating with high margins as a very premium offering it wasn't necessarily something that you could scale across the island. Um, there, you know, there was th- there was talk of maybe going into what what uh, Montego Bay, which is on the other side of the island, which is a lot of people locally refer to as a second city. Uh, they may, but even their even their market uh, um, that would be their their equivalent of of the market that we served in Kingston. Um, the, that market, I think, would, was even that much smaller than Kingston's um, market, right? So it, it was. It would have been very risky to try and take the actual fiction brand and scale it beyond too much further beyond where where it kind of was, you know. 
Okay, I see what you're saying there. When when people say this won't work in Jamaica, that must seem to really motivate you. But what do they mean by that? What is it about Jamaica that people think a certain thing won't work there? So you know, less and less people are. That, that's that's you're hearing that a lot a lot less nowadays. And when I came out of university, that was. I mean, you, you could guarantee that you were going to hear that a couple of times a week from, from leading business people across the island in different industries. And I think the reason for it was that, you know, we were always considered the third world. We were always considered, you know, an island. Um, nobody really was moving towards contemporary. Nobody was really moving towards, um, you know, and I think even at that time, the infrastructure you talk about um, when you talk about you know just simple basic things like like um, you know the, the the public service, the electricity, um, the telephones, the road networks. I mean, all of it was kind of we, we went through a period of of kind of stag- stagnation. I mean, it was like we really weren't doing much as a country and. And I think we fell a little bit behind. And, of course, it, it was easy for people to say, oh, Jamaica's not ready for that, or, or Jamaica, that can't work in Jamaica. And that used to, it used to anger me. And, and, of course, when we started doing things like fiction, you know, other people saw those things happening. And, other, you know, we, 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 now, it, I mean, if you fast forward to, to 2019, 2020, I think, you know, if you look at a place like Kingston, it's popping. I mean, we have amazing restaurants and there's new ones opening pretty much feels like every week. Um, you know, there's there's tower cranes. If you look out over the landscape, there's tower cranes everywhere. I mean, there's hotels going up. It's it's um it's a fun city. I mean, it is a fun city and you're seeing a lot more um a lot more progressive uh, activity in 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 the in the marketplace and and I think that um, you know as long as we can kind of retain our charm and not lose sight of that kind of um, the the integrity of the culture and the and the and you know just our Jamaicanness which which seems to be very kind of polarizing to begin with so I don't. <laughs> I don't think that it's it's going anywhere for now, but certainly, you know, um, we 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 are. I think it's it, there's a lot of potential for Jamaica. And I mean, if you look at our land co- land prices and stuff like that, they're a fraction of what they are in some of our neighboring um, Caribbean islands. So, yeah, I, I think Jamaica is at the ground level of a massive um, boom that is is on the horizon. I've never set foot in Jamaica, but I have this deep yearning to visit because of the incredible contribution Jamaica has made to culture worldwide. And I'm really interested to know from you, what is the essence of Jamaica? What is what is Brand Jamaica all about as well? Well, that's, um, that's probably about the most difficult question to answer in a, in a sentence. I mean, I think that <laughs> we could go on forever, but um, but you know... For me, Jamaica is is really it's an amazing place, and I, I, as you point out, the the influence over over the world, and 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 just the, the um, you know for for such a small 
in the middle of the Caribbean, it really has had a lot of influence um, over over a lot of things. And I think that 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 comes from really the people. I mean, Jamaica is about the people, and you know, from our musicians, our athletes to our you know other other people that have made massive contributions to culture. I mean, and I think that pretty much spans just about every area of arts, entertainment, um, business. I mean, you know, it's funny because for, for such a small place, pretty much there's nowhere in the world I've ever been and not kind of run across um, all the Jamaicans doing amazing things. And, and I think that really if you kind of want to boil it down to, to one thing, it really kind of comes from our people. And, and Jamaica is... If, if I was to say, if you were to say, what is brand Jamaica? To me, it's a vibe. I mean, it really is, um, you know, there's just something about the island from, uh, in, in, from every aspect of it, even the physical land. I mean, it's a beautiful place. I mean, there's, I've, I've traveled quite a bit, you know, fortunate to, to visit some amazing places. I mean, you and I were in Rio together. How amazing is Rio? And, and I, and I gotta say, you know, the, the um, the island of Jamaica has some place, some parts of of Jamaica are like nothing I've ever seen anywhere else in the world. I mean, just really, really phenomenal. And um, yeah, trying to give you the unbiased, more, <laughs> more <laughs> yeah, it's tough, obviously, because I love my country. But you know, if I'm to be as objective as I possibly can, I really would say that this country has so much going for it, um, from the physical beauty to the people that that inhabit it. It's really an amazing place. Gary, I can feel that vibe from here, man. Um, <laughs> If I came and visited, if someone came visited for a week, what would you recommend that that visitor has to do in Jamaica or see or eat? Oh, I think, well, that's, that's a tough one because first of all, I don't think a week is enough time to, to really experience Jamaica um, properly. And I would tell you this, you know, if you came for a week at a time over five or six different visits, you can have a completely different experience each time. It really depends on what you're looking for. I mean, if you are asking me um, about the beauty of the island, I would say that Port Antonio is like nowhere else. I mean, that's the, the furthest eastern point of, of the island. So the island is kind of shaped, um, it's like a little oblong. It's uh, 170 miles by 70 miles. And, um, you know, if you think of the furthest east point of the island, you have uh, Port Antonio, which is, like, just absolutely beautiful, but it's also very quiet. So if you were looking for the kind of wild, crazy party experience, you wouldn't want to go to Port Antonio. You'd want to be more in Kingston or in Montego Bay. Um, if you wanted beach and sea and water, I mean, the, the, out on the furthest west side of the island over by Negril is amazing i mean like really really phenomenal you have seven miles of white sand beach over on that side uh if you wanted to be more kind of in the in the in the guts of it in the rural part and you know go and see a rastaman and smoke a split with him you you know on the <laughs> south coast there's some really really beautiful spots there as well over by treasure beach and it, i mean there's so many different experiences that one could have in jamaica and um, and all of them equally as phenomenal but different. 
Is jerk chicken a bit of a cliche when foreigners mention it to Jamaican people? Not at all. We have jerk chicken. I mean, you can buy jerk chicken, jerk pork. Um, at most, I mean, pretty much, you know, any if you drove... If you drove around the island, you'd pass a few hundred places where you could buy, um, you know, authentic, really, really delicious jerk pork and jerk chicken. Some are better than others, but um, like anywhere else, you guys, you know where to go. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, some of the local knowledge helps in that regard. But certainly, um, it's I wouldn't say it's cliche at all. I mean, certainly it's well known, uh, you know, when you talk about Jamaica, you you know people people um <clears throat> people think jerk jerk chicken people think reggae music i mean those things you come here you're gonna experience that and pretty much everything that is is um uh, everything that's that's associated with jamaica in in foreign perception is is um is not too far off with the exception of it being a dangerous place, which is a perception that I hate and it drives me crazy because, of course, I live here and I, I raise a young family here and I think it's one of the greatest places in the world. I mean, obviously, there are parts of Jamaica that I wouldn't suggest you go at night by yourself, right? Yes. But uh, I think I think that exists anywhere in the world you go. I mean, there's nowhere I've ever been that that doesn't exist. And, um, and for whatever reason, I think we really have a bad rap um, uh, unnecessarily bad rap uh, where the where the crime and and violence is concerned. I mean, there I don't live here in any form of fear whatsoever. And be honest with you, with what I see going on in, in the United States with some of the, the the crazy things that have happened over there, I mean, I, I actually feel more comfortable uh, being here in Jamaica than I do in most other places. I'm sorry for so, saying cliche about jerk chicken. The only reason is because <laughs> <laughs> the only yeah. reason is because in Australia we are the sufferers of many cliches, uh, such as everyone likes to eat Vegemite and everyone has a kangaroo <laughs> in their backyard and shrimps on the barbie and yeah. yeah. So oh man, as soon as I arrive, I just want to be smothered in jerk chicken. <laughs> uh, oh, for sure. No man, definitely. There's plenty of it here for you. Let's go back onto your journey with Fiction Nightclub and then the leveraging that was going to occur to, to move to another another step. Tell us uh, how that occurred for you. So, so as I said, you know, the, the stage was really set um, when, when Fiction was going on, when Fiction was in its first couple of years of operation. And as a result of that, we, we one had, one had, had generated a, a, a pretty healthy surplus that we could reinvest. Uh, and two, we were able to access financing, even though we didn't have a lot of security. I mean, other than the assets of fiction, which really weren't um, of any great value, we were able to access some financing um, that allowed us to open our second business unit. And that now was a concept. So one of my partners was, uh, or is still in the sports business, um, sports apparel, and he supplies all of the the local leagues, uh, mostly football, but other sports as well, the local leagues with their, their uniforms and whatnot. And because of his association with sport, he just felt that there was something we could do in the food and beverage business, in the food and beverage industry, and tie sports um, into it 
and really kind of leverage all of all of that. And um, that's kind of where the beginning conversations about tracks and records came up. And tracks and records was a play is a play on words, right? So you have tracks and records in in the music industry, um, as well as you have tracks and records in athletics, right? And um, we felt that Jamaica was very well known, especially in the international markets, for its music and for its athletics. Um, at that time, you know, Usain had just broken all the records and done what he had done in the World Champs and in the Olympics and was really making a name for himself. And we decided at that stage of the game that, look, we need to, we need to really try and take what we felt were the best elements of brand Jamaica, standardize it, package it, um, and export it into, into other markets. Um, for a lot, mainly for a lot of the reasons that you and I have been discussing on in, in this interview. And it, it really was, it's something that, that I'm extremely passionate about. And, and, you know, everybody just kind of really bought in immediately. There was, it was, it's kind of was the obvious, you know, we just felt that it was, yeah, that's what we needed to do. And, um, I actually approached, um, a number of different people because one of the challenges that we, that we've, we faced was that, you know, at that stage of the game, you're talking about a group of young kids, you know, kind of, you know, going to put together this this restaurant and bar concept and then export it into major markets. It sounds great on paper, but realistically, you're going to go up against, you know, some massive multinational restaurant groups. We don't have that degree of expertise in the industry. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. And how are we going to really take on these guys in these major markets? Because one thing we know about about these large gateway cities and stuff is that it's extremely competitive. And... Um, and we're going to need to to have a, a, some some edge, some way, shape, or form. You know, what is our kind of our selling proposition? It can't just be that we're Jamaican and that's it. Uh, the other thing is that a lot of uh, what had kind of characterized Jamaican restaurants and stuff like that in these markets, because they already existed. You know, it wasn't that we were the first to to try and uh, break into the, the, these markets, but what what really um, was the, the what was known about Jamaican restaurants in those markets is that they they were characterized by bad service and inconsistent quality and and you know inconsistent menus you know just things running out I mean it just weren't really really well run and the reason for that is that a lot of them were just kind of mom and pop type things right nobody had really tried to take Jamaican cuisine and you know formalize it and and really kind of um, get it into these markets properly as, as far as we could see. Um, so we developed the, the tracks and records concept and we thought the way to break in to these markets and the way to get people's attention over and above spending, um, you know, lots of money that we didn't have was going to be through association with, um, some of our, our Jamaican celebrities, people that had already, and have broken into those markets and made a name for themselves. And of course, um, being Jamaica is a relatively small uh, community. You know, we, we know we have very good relationships and know firsthand a lot of 
Jamaican celebrity. So I was in, in immediate discussion with Sean Paul and Shaggy and, and Usain Bolt and, you know, these guys who to international markets were, were a big deal. To us in Jamaica, they're, you know, the guy that lives on the corner, you know, it's, and, <laughs> and who, you, who you see at the KFC grabbing food, you know what I mean, at the, you know, on a Saturday afternoon. So it, it, for us, it was a simple conversation, uh, but it, it really was, I think, uh, a good door, a good way to get some doors open for us. So, uh, so we eventually signed uh signed a intellectual property deal with Usain Bolt and he we got he got some equity in the business and we were kind of you know joined forces and and used that to launch the first location which opened in April 2011 um of Usain Bolt's tracks and records well I actually didn't know that it started that early I, 2011 that's uh before the London game yeah. so that's uh that's correct. Fantastic Absolutely. timing. We 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 actually signed the agreement with him in 2010, in October 2010, and you know at every opening of every restaurant that we've had since then, I have always made the point that you know this partnership is really starting after he had done the triple single, not even the triple double, much less the triple triple. Yes. So, so it was a bit of a gamble for us at that point, and and um, but certainly one that paid off tremendously for us, you know. And um, you know, he went on. I think it was just something about him that you just knew that his spirit and his his competitive nature and his talent. I mean, you're you're a sports enthusiast. I mean, his talent was just you just couldn't. It was undeniable. Eh? So we we took that the gamble with him at that point in time. And yeah, it does. It's been a it's been a great it's been a great partnership. And you know, he, he's such an icon. From 2010 to about uh, 2016, I was working in athletics and I was coaching at schools. And the beauty of it was that was when he was in the sport and every kid that I would coach in sprinting, I would talk about Usain Bolt and you'd see their eyes just uh, glimmer with, uh, you know, they all know him and they know his his trademarks. Okay. So it's quite a, quite incredible. Tell us about the growth of that now because it's it's not just in Jamaica, it's a worldwide thing. Well, it's in the UK now. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I just returned from there last week and... Um, so yeah, it, what had happened was, um, you know, I think that for for you saying, obviously, getting into the deal with us was more based off our relationships than it was off of what we were able to to offer him. Because I think, you know, certainly his other deals that he's involved with, endorsements and uh, and other things, are far more lucrative than than we are yet at this stage of the game. But he's also very much uh, a loyalist you know and he knows who's kind of been with him since the beginning and he knows who has his back versus who's trying to exploit him and that sort of thing and we've always really kind of maintained a really awesome relationship and um you know as a as as a young group kind of starting out and trying to build the thing organically and you know we didn't we didn't have private equity behind us we didn't have any real major um, financiers backing it. I mean, we really kind of built this thing organically from a 4,500 square foot nightclub to, you know, onto the the first location of of Tracks and Richards, which was 6,500 square foot. And then, um, again, because uh, a growth 
a growth option for us that was less capital intensive was a franchising model. So we went ahead and invested in creating all of the operational documentation, um, you know, creating all of the brand guidelines and, and doing all of the things that one would need to do to be able to franchise a business. Um, you know, we went through that exercise, which which was quite, uh, I don't think we fully appreciated the scope of that exercise when we were getting into it, but but certainly um, we went through that. And, and what that's enabled us to do is to enter markets, as you point out, like like London. So we, we got into, so we've built out uh, uh, three locations in, in Jamaica. Uh, I think Jamaica could potentially take another two locations, um, which we're hoping that um, next year we will be able to find some some good real estate for um, for that expansion, but but in in London now we signed a, a, a franchise a area development what they call an area development agreement or a multi-unit development agreement uh, with a large restaurant group in the UK, and we opened our first restaurant in November last year, and it's quite a large restaurant. It's actually well, it's more than a restaurant. It's a restaurant, a bar and what we call a late lounge. So it has like a basement level. It's 12,000 square feet. So it's some double the size of, of the, the Kingston location. Uh, the, the ground floor where you enter on uh, the street level, that's 6,000 square feet. So that's much closer in size to, um, to what we have in Jamaica. But then, then below, as I mentioned, there's this basement level, which becomes more of kind of a high energy nightclub on the weekends. It's also because we're kind of located in a corporate area near Liverpool Street Station in the city. Um, what you find is that uh, we have a lot of corporate hireage, so a lot of private hire, hire takes place there, um, and companies are using that space for different social type stuff, different meetings, uh, and it's a multi-use space. So, so that's working out really well. But I, as I mentioned, I just came back from there. Um, last week and it was unbelievable. I was there for seven days and I was in the restaurant each of those days and I'm telling you everything from the Monday, the Tuesday, the, 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 the Friday, the Saturday, I mean every day that I was in there, it, the energy was just incredible and it was one of the proudest moments for me in my career to date to really kind of see it in full flight like that. And um, it's just very exciting coming into the Christmas. We have a lot of bookings. I mean, the place is just really, really exciting to see that kind of, you know, you're going there, you hear the reggae music playing and, you you, you know, I mean, London, the weather is not known for having the best weather, right? So, you know, you got this cold, rainy Saturday afternoon and there's 200 people inside there. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's having food and drinks, and 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 you know people are dancing, and people. Are, it's just, it, it was just a really, really good feeling to kind of see that happen, you know. And we're looking to see how we can expand that model um, based on the learnings that we've gotten after operation after one year of operation. Uh, so next year is going to, should be an exciting year for us, and we're certainly looking for other markets that we can enter as well. Toronto is right now. At, at, at the top of the list um, but but I mean you know there there are there are I think a lot of opportunities for us on a global scale we want to manage the growth so that we can make sure we don't uh, we don't lose control of of it um, it's most important for us 
to maintain the integrity of the brand and not and not you know compromise that uh, much. What you were saying there was uh, it made me think. You went from no track record to tracks and records. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and I just got back from the UK myself. We were there for the Ashes. I don't know if you're a big cricket fan, but you know the West Indies are a team we love, and Chris Gale is an amazing player who we we respect greatly as well. And um, we were there for the Australia versus England Test series and went to Leeds, uh, which is not the biggest city in the UK, but uh, respectful size. And we were staying in a place called Chapel Town, which is a an area with a lot of uh, rich Caribbean heritage and people living there from from the islands as well. And it was during the Carnival period. And you would wake up in the morning and go and have breakfast and have jerk chicken, really authentic, well, what I thought were authentic West Indian places, and then go watch the cricket. And I felt, oh, you know, this is, this is telling me I need to go to Jamaica. But you could see the, uh, you could see the opportunity of tracks and records in places like that. Um, and you are going to be expanding um, to fifteen places in the UK, wasn't it? That's correct. Yes, that is correct. For as, as a starting point, I mean, I think ultimately we, you know, we're sky's the limit, and and and. Um, but yeah, that's definitely definitely our focus right now. It's to it's it's not it's not necessarily the speed of the rollout, but more the the effectiveness of the rollout. I think it's going to be most important that we get it right. Um, you know, and we're we're a relatively boutique outfit so that we, we can afford to to really kind of control our growth as opposed to necessarily um you know uh, it's not, not no pun intended but it's not really a foot race for us it's more <laughs> it, it's more about getting it right you know as you progress your your business and they grow in scale i'm interested in how you optimize your own time and productivity yeah, I'm not sure that I do. <laughs> I, uh, no, it, it, that's actually very interesting. So my background is in project management, and, and I, I have really kind of tried as best as possible to implement a lot of project management strategies and methodologies to basically everything that I do. Um, so I get I get criticized for being over overly organized, and I and I think that. That helps in a big way because I think otherwise, in fact, to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure I, I, I even know another way. Like to me, if something is is not, you know, structured properly and planned out properly, I, I find that it's near impossible to manage. And, and I think that certainly on a personal level, I, you know, I, I try to have some some method of tracking and, and managing everything that I have to do or else it just doesn't get done. I mean, I, 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 say, it, I say it every day. My brain is no good. If it's not written down somewhere, you know, if not plugged into my task manager or it's, if it's not plugged into my, my calendar and it's not scheduled properly, I'm in trouble, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't know that there's any, any – um, any overly unique uh, proprietary way of addressing it, but it's uh, yeah, it's kind of how I deal with it. And a, a key theme has been the relationships you've been able to cultivate through your career. How do you see people, um, or what is your philosophy on developing relationships and then being able to see them flourish? 
That's interesting because I I, I think that um that the network our network our network is 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 exceptionally diverse and and just very valuable and I, and and it's all based off a of relationship. So it's really really an interesting question that you, that you that you've observed that from there, but. Um, but what it you know for me uh, relationships are everything yeah and and you have to kind of um it, it has to be based off of honesty and trust and it has to be coming from somewhere deep deeper deeper down it's not i you know i can't do superficial i can't do um you know artificial it really has to be uh, genuine, and I think that that is where the foundation of all of my relationships come from. Uh, and, and 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 as I mentioned, the diversity in my network, I really have great relationships with people from very very um, varying backgrounds, and uh, it, it it's, it served me well. I, I think that everywhere. I go uh, certainly in Jamaica and even outside of Jamaica. Um, I'm able to to um, to establish some real genuine connections with some really really great people. Gary, yeah, I know your time is valuable. Uh, as as you start the day, uh, we've got a couple more questions, and it would be remiss of me not to mention someone who I know my my mum loves, and I was taken out of school early one day to go watch a concert of this certain person. It's uh, Shaggy, of course. What is it like to uh, to actually have him in your network as a friend and, and how that relationship has, has grown as well with you guys? So so Shaggy, Shaggy is Shaggy's one of my best friends for almost 25 years, and um, we, we've really kind of grown together. Uh, along the way, I mean, I, I, Shaggy, uh, my relationship with Shaggy started right around the time of O'Carolina, Boombastic. So it would have been at the kind of the beginning stages of his career as well. And um, and then, you know, beyond that, he, he he's had a lot of ups and downs, but he's done some tremendous, I mean, he's done some amazing things. He's, like, he's a bit older than me. We just celebrated his 51st birthday uh last month and um he came to jamaica for it and and it was it was amazing but we've traveled all over the place together where our families are very close his wife and my wife are very close our kids are very close so he um he had he had he had a, his eldest daughter he had one month to the day after my eldest daughter was born so so my my daughter is the twelfth of March, and I think his daughter is the thirteenth of April. It's like almost a month to the day, and they're both named Sydney. So, <laughs> and, and that wasn't a planned thing. We didn't sit down and work that out, right? But uh, yeah, it's 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 funny. I mean, we get we get teased about it quite a bit, but um, but yeah, he's had an amazing career. You know, he, he you know he fought in in some wars as a veteran. He was in the U.S. Marines. Um, you know, he. Uh, He's done some incredible things, and and where we've been kind of really collaborating over the probably the last um, since about two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, we've been collaborating on some um, charitable stuff here in Jamaica, raising money for uh, the, uh, the children's hospital 
which is located here in Kingston. And um, that's been going quite good. He's had some massive shows um, <clears throat> that that um, that have raised a lot of money. I think it's about, um, I think at this point in time, we are nearing about probably um, about 400 million Jamaican dollars, which may sound a lot more than it really is to you because we're <laughs> Jamaican dollars. <laughs> not, uh, yeah, but it, yeah, we've raised quite a bit of, of money here in, I'll give you what that is in US dollars if you're interested. But uh, but yeah, we've done a lot of work for the, for the children's hospital, but it's great. I mean, he's, you know, Shaggy's a really, really down to earth, um, really cool guy i mean he's done exceptional things in music i mean he's a diamond selling artist i don't think there's many artists um that can claim that um but yeah hot shots record sold diamond he's performed with everybody from michael jackson who's no longer even alive to to you know um sting i mean he just went on tour with sting uh, last year, which was incredible, I had the for- uh, fortune of seeing them in in um, in Spain perform together. I went um, through that with them. I, I have been oh man, all over. I can't even begin to tell you. It's 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 amazing. But he he's a great, you know he loves all his fans and but he's just really a, a really cool normal guy. And he's you you'd think that being such a, a massive superstar that you know he'd have better things to do than to worry about my four-year-old's graduation you know what i mean but he doesn't miss any of that i mean that's the things that are really important to him and i think you know as a result i don't view um him as anybody would view any us friend i mean obviously I, i don't ever lose sight of the fact of who he is and and what a massive brand he is. In fact, you can't because when you go out for dinner, you have to stop for pictures. And, you know, it's, it's not something you can, you can easily forget. But in truth and in fact, the way he is and the way he is with, with my kids and the way he is with his kids and his family, and um, it's really just, uh, it, you know, it's a, great, it's a great thing. You know, I wish everybody to have a best friend that they, that, you know, somebody in their life that they can call a friend and that can be as genuine a person, you know, forget all of his other accomplishments in music and in everything else. Just really, really a good person. Gary, I love that you mentioned family there because I'm surely that's the, you know, the crowning achievement of life. And how do you view uh, that, that balance now that life is busy with projects, things happening, and of course, family time, which is so precious. How do you balance those things? So, I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, you may, that is by far the achievement of all achievements. I mean, I am so fortunate. I give thanks every day. I have, you know, very, very fortunate to have an amazing wife and three incredible kids. And um, we, yeah, I, I, as I say, I give thanks for that every day. So we have, I have my, my daughter, my first child is 14, uh, 14, 12, and 4. <laughs> so there was a... There was a bit of a gap in the middle there. We had a had a, <laughs> a, a whoops, what we call a carnival baby, right? <laughs> um, but no, they're all three amazing children, and they're all very different. And um, and they're they're great though. I mean, you know, both all the kids are doing exceptionally well in school, and I think that um, 
that really just have to give thanks for for all of that. And it, the balance is tough because, of course, you know there are um, there are a lot of demands coming from work, and of course, with three young kids uh, at home, the, the 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 demands at home are also also pretty significant. But um, I, I just extremely fortunate to have my partner in life is is um, so supportive. We we really kind of work well together as a team, and I think that that's that's what it's that's where it's at. I mean, if you were to ask me, how do we how do we do it? We do it. We work together on it. It's really um, it's it, nothing is easy, right? So it's it's really just a matter of of, of managing the time. But we, you know, we are fortunate enough to be able to to go, you know go on nice vacations together and spend a lot of time together so you know we do the drop-offs and pickups most days to school and we spend pretty much most weekends unless we're traveling for work or something like that but we, we do spend a lot of time together as a family we eat dinner at the dinner table to every every night of life together as a family um which is great i grew up like that you know and and i know Nowadays, uh, we see that a lot, less and less, and um, that's something that I definitely take pride in, you know, that we're able to do that. You said that, uh, I think your daughter's name is Sydney, if I was correct? Correct, that's absolutely correct. You know that that means that you have to bring her over to Australia and show her the real city. <laughs> absolutely, 100%, for sure, that's yes. right, my first child is Sydney, you're 100% correct. And make sure that when you do come to Australia, um, give us some love on the west side, uh, Perth, Fremantle. We'd love to welcome you as well, Gary, and and family. <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate that, man. It's definitely, as I mentioned to you earlier, it is on my bucket list. It's the t- the top of my bucket list. I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, Gary, it's been an absolute pleasure. I was really excited to, to speak to you um, because we met all those years ago, but it is good to link in and, and discuss our different cultures we're so far away from each other but uh, really interesting and the love for sport is something that brings us together as well um, and music too so gary thanks for your time look forward to being in touch as well and you have a good day i appreciate it and the pleasure was mine i look forward to seeing you in jamaica in the near future as well for sure <laughs> all right I've been, thanks a lot man i appreciate it Hey everyone, wherever you are in the world, thanks heaps for listening to Frio de Janeiro. You can visit the show website, abidimam.com, A-B-I-D-I-M-A-M, for all of the show goodies. You can subscribe, leave a review. I appreciate it very much. And until the next episode, keep smiling, keep scoring.